you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody, it's Control Center by Cavo. This holiday season, give your loved ones the gift of stress-free TV with Control Center by Cavo. Control Center cleans up your home theater so you can control everything connected to your TV with one easy-to-use, family-friendly remote. Shop now, get 40% off Control Center with the promo code DAVE, D-A-V-E. That's $59.95, 40% off the regular price of $99.95. Control Center available at Cavo. That's C-A-A-V-O dot com and Best Buy Control Center by Cavo. One remote that does it all. And coming up now on uh, on the Dave Damashek football program, we have Whitney Merciless of the Houston Texans. We have Cam Hayward of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Willie McGinnis of the Cleveland Browns and another pro football team. And Maurice Jones-Drew here to chop it up in between weeks 15 and 16. Let's start the show. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. It's the pig, pig skinniest season of all. Belichick is still frowning and Cleveland's still browning. We root for Steelers. It's the pig, pig skinniest time of the year. Hi and hello, football fans, and happy holidays wherever you are. I hope it's filled with mirth and song and cookies and family and friends and eggnog and all that kind of stuff here in studio 66 we're overflowing with festivities and uh, jolliness and so on and so forth and not just because it's the holidays but because week 16 is fast approaching here seated to my immediate left my uh my main man from uh from the east bay main man i don't know where that came from that just kind of fell out of me there i don't know uh i was just going with it i guess i'll catch it and hold it that's all you know that's it's, it's all it's all like improv like mvp behind the glass that's her thing like i'm just oh, going improv man. Is amazing what do you mean you've done some of that i've done I, I i could see you doing that actually by the way it's maurice jones drew everybody that's who i meant to say hello to. <laughs> happy holidays we haven't the time for for song right now no we're, we're, well we are playing other songs anyway maurice you've done a little improv eh? i've done a little bit mm-hmm. it's been fun I do. I, you know, at first it was just me and my buddies doing it. Like when we go out on trips and stuff, boys trips, like we do improv, but it wasn't like improv, improv, but then I actually did improv, improv. And I found out there was not, nothing different. Emma VP. Do you think, uh, based on your professional experience that Maurice of all the players that work at the NFL is the number one? I for- do. Yeah, Maurice is great. Is that because Maurice is the only one who can hear you right now? Definitely. Okay. No, it's all, he's always yes. a yes and guy. He'll go with anything. Yeah, you just got to be able to go with the flow. He's a yes ander. That's right. I'm uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect okay. sense to me. Oh. Yeah, I know exactly how that uh, how that uh, that's all tension in your brain goes, or, or in your heart, or whatever. Anyway, Maurice. Uh, by the way, go back and listen. Great uh, first podcast this week with uh, Mina Kimes from ESPN. Oh, she's great. Mina Kimes. She's, pheno- she's phenomenal. She really is. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. I love her work on um, the highly questionable. Yes, we talked about that. Do you think I look like Dan Lebatard? No. A lot of people say I do. No. No. No, not even close. I don't know what that like. You act like I'm asking for a cop. Like no, I don't think he's like. I, no, I. I don't. Guys, okay, just don't. Look, got, they don't look nothing like each other. I mean, you, Maurice, have, you both have brunette hair, I guess. The Rams don't look like uh, the don't. Rams, uh, or at least uh, the Rams of September and October and much of uh, November. What gives here? Yeah, you know, um, watching the games, you're, you're seeing a lot of interior pressure. You're seeing Jared Goff not be comfortable, um, and I, I've seen Coach McVay try to switch his scheme up a little bit, but this is that time of the year. We always talk about it where you have to run the football and you have to be a physical team. Um, scoring points really doesn't matter in this situation. That's only matters in September and October. Once you get to after Thanksgiving, it's about finishing games and ending games quickly. Uh, right now, you saw the Chicago Bears do that to the Los Angeles Rams. You, you, the Philadelphia Eagles ran the ball at them. Uh, so those are things that they have to try to fix and work on. I've always been, you know, I've always had questions of why not carry a fullback on your roster because of times like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's something that they're starting to see. Like, it's starting to happen where they have to start running the ball a little bit more. And when you have a uh, fullback, it allows you to to be able to run through some of these loaded boxes. So uh, we'll see how they do. Um, I know Todd's been got banged up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, spoke with him. He says, you know, it's just some things he's working through. And it's late in the year. Everyone's banged up. So, yeah. I'm excited to see what they do the next couple games because you have to win these next two to get that bye week, which they really need. They're they're a team that's beat up a little bit right now. And, you know, that is just part of the year. So you want to heal up and and keep those games at home. I hear you. And um, is there a concern? Because the larger picture, it's not just something that's afflicting the Rams uh, offense. It does seem like the defenses doesn't seem that way. Clearly, the defenses are starting to, you know, hold their own. And how now? How much? at this point, I know obviously you're uh, you're in the booth with uh, with the Rams, but do you now suspect that it's swinging back in favor of the Bears and the Seahawks and the well, uh, and the Ravens and teams that are playing well, that brand of football? Well, well, the thing is, you know, right now it's not even that brand of football. It's home games. You want to play at home, period, hmm. because. Throughout the league, teams that are at home have a better chance of winning for some reason. I, when I, I still play, don't get why, but I, yeah, okay. Me either. I, I, I don't understand it, but when you look at everything, you know, the Saints are a more dominant team at home than they are on the road. Uh, the Rams are a more dominant team at home than they are on the road, even though they lost to Philly. They're still – they played much better than they did against Chicago, right? Um, Chicago's defense is much more dominant in Chicago than it is anywhere else. Um, and so – with, with those things being said, you're, you're just trying to fight for home field advantage. You have to find a way. Is that but for a defense specifically? We saw that in the clink with those uh, those high end Seahawks teams. They would always say Averill and Bennett would say we would get a jump because the crowd would be so oh, loud yes. that we, we could actually jump at the line of scrimmage a, a split second earlier. Well, because you got to remember, it take like it's the quarterback. Uh, can't use his voice, so he's he's using his hands. And so whenever you see the quarterback jump up, you can take off and jump because you know the the ball's coming right there. So, um, it's again, it it's 
when you have a great defense, you always want to be at home. When you have a great offense, you always want to be at home because you can work. On the road, there's different issues that come uh, come throughout. And we, we saw it uh, on Monday night with the Saints. I mean, they're in Carolina. Carolina's lost five straight. And there was a reason everyone was trying to say Carolina has a chance to win because they play outside. It's a little bit different than being in the Dome. It's 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 tougher. It is, it's, it's just a completely different. And so um, – I think more of the the weather, the weather starting to churn, change. You know, some people say real football is being played now. Um, but also the fans are more into it this time of the year because the games mean so much more. I get all that. But, I mean, by the way, are the Saints now the team to beat out of the NFC? I mean, who's the who is even the best well, team? Well, it, it's I mean, the, the Bears have been playing I guess great. it is the Bears. The Bears are playing great football right now. And, and I know, um, you know, talking with a lot of players and talking with a lot of people, uh, a lot of teams don't want to face them. I know, but you know what though? The league, though? They're gonna, they are going to have to do what your former team, the Jaguars, did in 2017, which is to some degree, Mitch Trubisky is better than Bortles. I'm not making that case, but they are going to have to hide him a little bit. Oh they're no gonna, question. I mean, I I called the game where you know if you force him to go off his first read and to throw over the middle, he sells the ball. He 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 throws a high ball and it sails on him sometimes. I think if you get through the first two possessions against the Bears offense, they show everything they have. Right, they're going to try and trick you up with a get Can't, get some points and then the defend thing. that lead the rest of the way. That's and if the other you thing. can uh, survive that as the other team, you beat you, them. You cannot trick people in the playoffs. That's that's why the doesn't that work more? Because. It's, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, you just have to be able – you have to be better at what you do than what they do. So if you come in here with all these gadget plays and trick plays, it doesn't work. Um, and, you know, what I've seen, you know, over the last couple of years, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings last year or the Minnesota Vikings last last week, they just came down and ran downhill. There was no more run RPOs. They were like, look, we're going to run downhill, and then when we want to throw the ball, we'll throw the ball. But – we're going to do what we do best. And last year, that's what they did. That's why they had such a great record. They ran the ball. They leaned on the running game. And Case Kim didn't turn the ball over. Um, and so I think that's the formula to do it. I mean, that's what the Jaguars did last year. Uh, you're starting to see that's what the Saints are doing. The Saints are running the ball at a very high rate. As much as Drew Brees is throwing the ball and people want to talk about how great he is, which he is a really good quarterback, they're running the ball at a high rate. They want to run the ball. It's the point of reference for everybody, but go back and the year that Drew Brees finally gets his one Lombardi that he still has now, it was owed to the fact that they were turning around and running the ball and running a lot of those safe routes to Pierre Thomas, and now they're doing that with uh, Kamara. Maurice, are the Rams, though, I'm trying to do the math on this, are they, because the national noise is, boy, why aren't they running Todd Gurley more? And you just hinted at it there. I think McVay is doing Gurley a favor because they don't have anybody really to well, to, to run the ball with, and they got to they they're playing the long game here, which right. is we want Gurley to be right for January, well, well, the, and he's not right currently. Well, in Detroit, you lost Malcolm Brown, and that's what hurt because Malcolm Brown could have been that guy that you could have put in, right. And and guys, now you're leaning on an undrafted free agent and uh, a late round pick, um, to a rookie late round pick at that, and so, you know. It's it's tough for him to do that. Uh, Malcolm Brown going down, I didn't think at first was like a big deal, but I'm starting to see that it's a huge deal mm-hmm. because he was a guy that could come in, take uh, give Gurley a series or two, and he would you know they wouldn't miss a beat. Now you're trying to play some other guys who aren't really you know like Malcolm Brown. These are more slimmer guys who are more quicker, shiftier guys, and it just doesn't work out that way. So uh, 
you know, it, it comes down to winning these last two games, right? You have to go to Arizona, win in Arizona, and figure out a way to keep Todd healthy and get these young guys some reps in these games because you're going to have to use them in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to run Todd I bet the whole Gurley game. wouldn't even be out there had they beaten the Eagles on oh, Sunday night. No, he wouldn't probably. No, they probably would have shut him down for a couple of weeks. And so um, it's important. And in at the end of the day, you know, I, I think as much as we want to, uh, you know, as much as we want to kind of tout these guys as geniuses and things like that, football will never change. It and really, it, it, it it's amazing changes. that it does that always. It will never change. And that it's eventually unreal. within the season. It, it, I, I, I doubted that in 2018 that I thought this is the year finally that the defenses are just the rules changes and everything else. The quarterbacks are now sufficient across the league, save a couple of uh, right. places like in uh, Jacksonville. And finally, now the defenses were, are never going to have an answer. And he, uh, we didn't even get to the playoffs. No, uh, the because as soon are, as the weather turned, it's tougher to throw the ball. you got to remember, too, it, this is a marathon, right? I think Nipsey Hussle once said it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I, I got that from one of my boys that works for uh, KCAL 9, too, by the way. Other people have said yeah. that. It didn't but, just but come up. Yeah, but, but, but you at the at – the, say if it's a 16-mile race we're running, at mile 10, your legs start hurting. And you got six more miles to go, and that's what the, that's what this NFL is. At game ten, you don't feel like game one or two or three. You start to hurt, so you have to start trying to figure out how to get this thing going. And for your offensive line, you want them to go forward, and you want to start shortening the game because you wanted to get the exposure of getting hurt. And that's the biggest thing is these games. Uh, that was the Sunday night game. That first half was fast as I don't know what. The first quarter was bl- just went. It was just run, 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 whatever, and then. The last two minutes of the first half was like just as long as the first two quarters. I was like, wow. Then the third quarter came in. They started kind of extending drives. But you want to shorten games. That's the whole part of this whole thing is who can get out of here as fast as possible with a W. That's the name of the game once you get in December and, and in the playoffs. That's what you're. That's, that's what, what you will see. That's what Willie told us the Patriots were going to try and do, and they did try to do it, but yeah. the uh, offensive line held too much, so they couldn't stick with that. But spinning that clock, last thing, Maurice, because you got to go. I, I eight minutes isn't enough. An hour isn't enough with Maurice. But the last question is this: any change based on Josh Adams and now Jalen Samuels and otherwise? that it doesn't make sense to use a first-round pick on a running back or to spend the kind of money that Le'Veon Bell expects to get this off. So I had this question in my group chat, right? And someone, the, like, these numbers are crazy. Like, oh, they're, the Pittsburgh is averaging 27 more points with these other two guys instead of Le'Veon Bell. And so my response is, okay, what was their record last year with Le'Veon Bell? What was their record last year? 13-3. and three, Okay. Three. Now, what's their record this year? Not as good. No, what's the record this year? 8-5-1. and Well, one. then he's worth five games. As of right now, that, that's what you're telling me, that Le'Veon Bell and running the ball and having a dynamic back is worth five games. Look at Kansas City. Okay, they averaged 37 points with Kareem Hunt. Without Kareem Hunt, guess how, guess how many points? I don't know. 27. That's a 10-point swing. That's Yeah, that, you're talking about top-notch guys that, can, that dictate coverages. Why was A.B. all upset? Do we all know why A.B. was upset in the middle of the year? Yeah, because, right, because they're doubling him and focusing the offense. Exactly. I mean, the defense, the de- exactly. So right. when you have a top-notch running back and you can use all the numbers you want, because you can slant stacks any way you want. I, I mean, I I just did it with Kareem Hunt. At the end of the day, you want a guy that can dictate coverage. And if you have a guy that can dictate coverage in the back end where they have to load the box to try to stop the run, 
then your passing game isn't becomes... it the mo- isn't the thing that you get from it though a steadying sort of influence because it it it's sort of like what breaks if you're in the midst of a, a terrible snap of losses the Steelers' ability we man we can't beat anybody what you saw in the Levy and Bel Air in Pittsburgh was them on certain games just you know what this is a 35 touch game for 26 yeah in Buffalo and we're gonna ride remember they, that they did it many times they did it what? in Tennessee on a right. Thursday night they, I, I watched but them I'll, that I'll say this too as well let, let's remember this the 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 philadelphia eagles before when they won the super bowl last year they had like garrett blunt and Jay Ajayi, said that and they ran the ball yep. like no tomorrow they were in the top five in the league right now you know they're str- they've been struggling because they couldn't run the ball that the rpo there was no rpo in that situation and so now you get adams in there who's now you have someone you can lean on a little bit with the running game regardless if he's an undrafted guy or not you want to lean on a guy and and, and have the ability to do it and it works i mean i always try to I always play the notion with quarterbacks right and i think we have a guy here who kind of defies everything in kurt warner you know people say well you could find a running back anywhere well kurt warner was an undrafted dude right so you can find any player, really, any other guy position. from New England who kind of is close to that description. Exactly. Yeah. So don't tell me you need first round quarterbacks when some of the some Hall of Famers. Well, and by the way, the, Joe. Yeah. I mean, the, the Joe list, Montana was like fourth round, right? Or third, he's third round. Oh, Actually, third if, round, you, like, if you want to play that game, that is funny. Johnny Unitas yeah, uh, like, was cut by the Steelers. Um, a lot of dudes. So it, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't when you take when you draft in the first round. You're just drafting the best player available that you have on your board is what you should be doing or a player you think can change your game. That's why I think Saquon Barkley went to the Giants. Are you going to tell me you rather have uh, some of these other quarterbacks yes. than Saquon Barkley? Yes. No. Like, yes, I would. I would. Who? I, would. Like who? I, would. I, still, who? I still think that's enough. Who? Don't look at spaghetti who? behind the who? glass. It gets subs. Sam Darnold is who I'd rather have. Yeah. I li- listen. You know, do you, you know what? Can is, I tell listen, you? No, I'm gonna tell you this stat. All right, tell me whatever you want to tell me. Do you know? And and this is and this is because I think Sam will eventually be a really good quarterback or a good quarterback. You know, he leads the league in picks and missed four games. I know. Okay, and that's all. I, all right. You always have said that. You've been steadfast with saying, Maurice, that Sam Darnold has thrown is a turnover, picks at every, a tur- at every a turnover level. Machine. Not going to change in the NFL. So you want that? No. All I right, don't think cool. it's the end of the world, though. Just because the world has been convinced by Belichick and Sean Payton that the most important thing from a QB is accuracy. It is. It's not. There's so John Elway, Brett Favre, Ben Roethlisberger, were, those all gunslinger guys, guys, and they won plenty though. of games. They're accurate more than Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Accuracy is something that's the most be important thing. No, it can't. Degree. You can't learn accuracy. Either you have it or you don't. It's very I, simple. Okay. But I, by the way, the other thing is with spaghetti behind the. Well, the point I always make to spaghetti and anyone else who wants to argue Saquon with me is Walter Payton and Barry Sanders are two of the very best of all time. Until the very end of Walter Payton's career, neither one of them got anywhere close to a Super Bowl. But I can, make, can have a I super- can make an argument about about quarterbacks that are really good that haven't no, won a Super Bowl. That's not maybe not won a Super Bowl, but, but if yes. you have a good quarterback, you tend to be a consistent Ooh. winner. Well, Matt, let's look at Matt Ryan, for example. I didn't put him into that group. Oh, no. So who'd you put? Let's look at Aaron Rodgers this year. I'm putting He's the phenomenal. good quarterbacks. Aaron I'm Rodgers putting the good quarterbacks into four games, that group. Five games this year. Maurice, it's Come not on, enough Shaq. time, but all right. Need, Eddie Spaghetti's need. mad. Now Eddie Spaghetti's angry that I said that about his uh, his new hero, and so now he's cut this interview off. You so said I'm sorry, Sam Marie. Darnold, really? I, I would I would almost say you possibly Baker Mayfield, possibly. Well, but he the, wasn't there. I would almost say Lamar Jackson. I could see that one as well. But it's the, devastating. 
even my guy, even the baby that I, I, I love and, you know, the chosen one, he's struggling right now. Mm-hmm. It just – you need to have – quarterbacks need pieces uh-uh. around them to be successful. Okay, Spaghetti is now saying that the network producers are texting. Look, oh yeah, it's time to go. go. Go ahead, Maurice. Thank you See so you much. We uh, we uh, thank you for your uh, for your time. It's precious, as we know, especially around the holidays. All the best to the Jones Drew clan up there in the East Bay. Have a happy holidays. And now let's get to Week 16, shall we? You're listening to David. All right, man, we're uh, we're on some run with the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees. We've gotten to talk to a couple of them. Now, this is one. Well, maybe I'm a little biased here because I love the good work he's doing on the banks of the Three Rivers, where uh, I may have mentioned once or uh, 198 times before is uh, is my hometown. Hey, it's uh, the Man of the Year nomination for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Hayward, how are you, sir? Congratulations. I'm good. Thank you very much. Yeah, richly deserved and looking forward to congratulating you for your deeds uh, on the football field in a minute here. But in the meantime, tell us all about uh, the great work, because there's so much stuff to cover that uh, Cam and the Hayward House are doing around uh, Pittsburgh these days. Yeah, we we do a lot around the city, but, uh, you know, I'm just a very uh, appreciative of the work we get to do. Um, the Hayward House covers so much. Uh, we to uh, Craig, Craig's Closet, which is new, very new. We partner with sports clips that uh, we donate uh, clothes, dress clothes, to young men that can't afford them. Yeah, my dad only had one suit growing up, so I wanted to um, do something to name his name um, that uh, is very important to us. That's, uh, because that, you dress good, you play good. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and it's meaningful stuff to uh, to a young guy to uh, to be able to put on that suit and tie. Um, and of course, I remember, like I mentioned, uh, growing up in Pittsburgh, I was at mm-hmm. uh, Pitt Stadium. I got to watch your dad play. I remember vividly watching him run over the uh, my, uh, the mighty Miami Hurricanes in the rain. Um, should have won the Heisman Trophy, by the way. But uh, yeah, tell us more. I really am interested in uh, that's hey, I was not making a joke there, Cam. He should have won the Heisman Trophy you that weren't. year. <laughs> he deserved yeah, it. Yeah, I've I've seen video. Um, he deserved it. Boy, he was awesome. Um, and uh, and obviously you are as well. But tell us a little bit more about Hayward House, the different uh, things that you're doing out there, because like I say, there's a, a multitude of uh, a good stuff. Yeah, we've also partnered with uh, Kids Voice and Boys and Girls Club uh, that work with underprivileged kids, whether it's their after school programs um, or having a birthday club around my birthday. But we get to celebrate celebrate their birthdays. Oh, that's great. Um, we I also, love that. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. I'm very appreciative of being able to work with these young kids. Um, and then we also work with the Southeastern Brain Tumor Association as well. Well, I'm hoping that I will not run into you at NFL Honors on the eve of Super Bowl 53. I hope you win mm-hmm. uh, the trophy, but you cannot receive it in person because uh, you're busy resting up for the big game uh, the next day there in Atlanta, Georgia. In the meantime, that let's, would be pretty awesome. <laughs> let's talk about uh, about the steps that you guys have taken uh, to try and make that. So um, specifically what mm-hmm. happened in Heinz Field. And by the way, I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you. 
Watching you in the second half, that was one of the great uh, defensive performances of 2018 that I saw. You were bull rushing whoever lined up across from you. You were getting a Brady's own offensive lineman in Brady's face uh, throughout that second half. That seemed to be a huge difference. Yeah, when you're playing these uh, really good quarterbacks, you just want to make sure you get in their face. Uh, they're not going to let you get the sack most of the time, but you just want to make sure uh, – put as much pressure as possible and make them throw it out of a well. What was uh, Coach Tomlin? I'm sure that permeates the locker room for you guys uh, after the Oakland game, after the uh, the little bit of a skid there. What was Tomlin's mindset? I'm just fascinated by his ability to sort of rally the team amidst his own sort of he was the guy who was being targeted more than anybody else in the organization it's Mike Tomlin's fault that uh, this losing streak what was his mindset what was he saying to you guys in advance of a game that you guys kind of had to have honestly he only said was uh just focus on what you can control we may have let these last three games go away but the only way to get over those games and the only way to get forward is to go through New England and focus on this game. Do you guys, um, you know, we fans like to talk about the, that, well, the Patriots just have the Steelers number. You know, that's just the way it is. Do you guys consider that in advance of the game? How do we change things to make, to change the result? Because it does keep, uh, it does feel like uh, 12 keeps getting the better of us. Well, honestly, I don't, I don't really worry about the past. Uh, you know, teams are totally different year to year. They might have had Tom Brady all those years, uh, but they're a different team, and we're a different team. Um, we just try to focus on one game at a time and understand um, this game is the most important. Do you guys, um, I, I thought what was a, a, a bold strategy that I didn't agree with uh, in the moment, I thought, wait, the Steelers have the choice and they've decided to receive? Did you think... What are you doing, Coach T? Man, no, no, no. Give it a little, put him out there so we get the ball to start the second half. Well, you know, I think uh, the mindset was let's start early, let's get a lead, and see if they can catch us. We scored early, and then they scored right away. Uh, it was really too quick as a defense. We didn't feel comfortable like that. But uh, we just kept fighting, and, and the second half was get off the field quick and get the ball back to our offense. Um, what, uh, what does it feel? Did it mean, was it more meaningful to you guys or is it more uh, a fan base thing? Did you in the locker room afterwards say, we finally did it. We finally knocked off the Patriots. Or was it just a win that you guys had to have? Uh, it was a win we had to have, but it was a good against a good team. Um, we had three games where we didn't win, but we beat a really good team on uh, a primetime game and we got it done. Is there a sense that you guys need to go down to New Orleans and keep on rolling, or does that buy you, or does this uh, give you the luxury of having to split your last couple of games? Are you guys going to gather around and watch the Chargers and Ravens game on Saturday night to see what you need to do on Sunday? I think, I think our mindset has to be is we don't have to look around. Uh, if we take care of our business and we just uh, roll these last two, it doesn't matter. But that means taking care of your first game. Uh, New Orleans is a heck of a team, and we're going to have to go out there and play our best ball. Um, and then we'll take care of that after. But, but all we can focus on is this one game. 
Uh, we saw for three quarters of the season, it seemed like it was all offense. Defense wasn't just optional. It was almost non-existent across uh, the NFL landscape. Now, all of a sudden, here come the defenses. Can and will a defense-dominant team win the Super Bowl this year? Or do you suspect that the way things are uh, are sort of uh, moving in 2018, that it's going to be one of those powerhouse offenses? And that includes the Pittsburgh Steelers when they're uh, going on all cylinders. Well, I just think it comes down to who's playing the best defense. You might be the best defense in the regular season, but the playoffs are a different animal. Um, it's going to be a, a heck of a battle for a lot of different teams. Um, and I think in the Super Bowl, it just comes down to who executes better. I don't think it's offense or defense, but who makes the less mistakes? Who's able to execute at a high level? Do you, uh, I, uh, again, watching from where I watched it, I wasn't uh, actually bumping into uh, other large human beings over the course of 60 minutes, but <laughs> it seemed to me that that Chargers game was, uh, was a tough one because they're, you know, perhaps the best team in football or they've been playing like that, and yet you guys had them. You know, and it may work out that you see them again in the first round. The way things are shaping up, the Chargers could be paying a visit to Heinz Field. Is that something you want? Is it? Do you want another shot at that team based on the matchup? We want a lot, another shot at a lot of teams, but uh, <laughs> you know, we 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 gotta get there first. Uh, I'm not gonna look over any of these next two teams, but uh, you know, if we do get a chance, it would be a nice game. Uh, we didn't finish first them, and that's going to sit with us for a while, and we'll have to move on from there. Yeah, it is interesting. And then the other one that's looming is that you might see the bald birdies for a third time this year with Lamar Jackson now under center full time. It's uh, remarkable stuff. Are you are you able to? Are you singularly focused on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or do you enjoy putting your feet up on with these Saturday games and Monday night games and and seeing what else is going in the in uh, pro football? I tell you what, my feet are never put up. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm really just focused on what the Steelers are doing uh, and just trying to make sure we're taking care of our business. Yeah, well, we know your feet are never put up because not uh, for the work you're doing in pro football, but for the great work you're doing around Pittsburgh and beyond uh, the Hayward House. We appreciate it. The great words that uh, were meaningful uh, after what happened to Tree of Life, uh, you know, six, eight weeks ago. Uh, a great citizen, a great, uh, a great member of the Pittsburgh community. Cam Hayward, best health to you. Great success. Have uh, a Thank good you. time down there. And Nola, have a happy holidays. And Hopefully we'll get to see you playing out there in uh, January coming up here. Yes, sir. And happy holidays to you and your family. And go Steelers. Yes, go Steelers indeed. That's a good uh, note to go out on. <laughs> the great Cam Hayward, everybody. Dave. Dave. All right. Time now for our almost weekly visit with uh, number 55 from the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots. It's Willie McGinnis. What's the poop, fella? I'm just hanging out. So let's talk a little bit about what happened in Heinz Field. Mm. Um, Between I, the New I was Patriots wondering when that Pittsburgh was coming. Steel. We're going to start the show. Well, I think we should start yeah. right there. I mean, why? Why? why uh, you know, why move around? Let's talk. Let's uh, let's talk about the situation at hand there. Why not? Up in Foxborough, McGinnis for real. Three out of four, they've lost. You know? Yeah. Are we, so, are we talking is? about their past record or what just happened in Heinz Field? All of it. I know you want to start there. All of I, it. I, I know you're excited about that. But the question I have for you, because I knew this was coming, mm -hmm. are you really comfortable with that win? 
As opposed to what? Like, should I feel like, oh, oh did they you got watch lucky? the game? Did yeah. you watch the game? And- no, I heard tale of it, though. Did I saw wa- the final score. Oh, you watched it. I watched it. Um, did you watch the game? And, and when you were looking at the game, did you say, wow, Pittsburgh is just playing unbelievable. They just dominated in every single phase. Or did you watch the game and said, ah, New England shot themselves in the foot again. Another penalty, another penalty, another mistake. That's bad on situational football. Another mistake first and goal. I mean, just. The, the, the multitude of things. Well, no, I'm wondering how you watched the game because I know I, you're an adamant fan. I, I, I really did feel like the Steelers were having their way largely. Defensively. And, well, even offensively, even though it wasn't resulting in points, I it, it felt like they were controlling the game for a long time, at least, at right. least through the first half. Right. And um, so, yeah, I, I thought, but it was vexing because that's what watching the Steelers is, is because you're watching them against the mighty New England Patriots who have always had their number throughout this century. And the Steelers should win this one, but they're going to give it away because they're somehow not getting into the end zone inexplicably here. And so, so you that did. was my So feeling. you did have a little bit of doubt. Oh yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a loon. Of course, I was watching. I've right. watched these these two teams play each other enough uh, over the last 15 years to know that it probably is going to wind up in the Patriots' right. favor. I watched the game, and the one thing that stood out to me is one: the Steelers played well at home. They came together as a unit. Uh, they played, as you predicted, they could yeah. and would. I shouldn't have never gave them that that motivational speech. I know it's really I, on I you. Should have never gave them that mo- motivational speech. But anyway, thank you for that, Willie. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, they play complimentary football. Um, I thought they ran the ball. Didn't matter who was out there, like you said. They had it in their mind they were going to come out and they were going to run the football. One, because they needed to. Uh, two, like you mentioned, to keep Tom off the field. And it worked out perfectly. The pass production wasn't really there. It, it was. They made plays at times, but it wasn't there when they needed to punch the ball in and score points. I would say that. And they did. Ben had a couple turnovers, right? Yes. Okay. So, and the then first I, one was horrible. Right. And I, that, that was when they were going to put the game away. I felt like right. And then I look at the defense and I said, "Wow. Okay, they're doubling Gronk. They're making plays where he needed to. They stepped up. They played good against the run. They pretty much took the run game away from New England. Um, they, New England has some chunks, but they took it away for the most. Can part. Can I tell you something? What you predicted is exactly uh, kind of how I. I mean, I was following your lead, but I did think that that's what the Patriots were going to try to do, which is to spin the clock a little bit and control it with Sony Michelle. And they really did try to do that uh, specifically in the third quarter. Right. They were really trying to feed twenty six, and you could see that he was starting to have his way. But it was those holding penalties that was the undoing of the Patriots. It was, and when you're behind. And time starts to run down. At some point, you got to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Now you got to be able to throw the ball. And I thought Pittsburgh understood that there was a perfect situation, situational football for them, that they understood, okay, they can't keep running the ball. At some point, they're going to have to start throwing the ball down the field. And they defended well. On the other side of the ball, um, what I've seen over the last few weeks is something that continues with the Patriots of – Usually when you watch this team, characteristically, they don't beat themselves. They don't have a bunch of penalties. They're very disciplined. Mm -hmm. Um, They're great in situational football. When you need somebody to step up and make a play, usually one of the playmakers will step up and make plays. Uh, And that's just the team. They're consistent. They haven't been consistent with that. 
14 penalties? This dynasty, uh, uh, as you told me, I mean, six, seven years ago now. Right. And you were spot on, and it's fascinating that the, this dynasty is entirely predicated at, uh, or close to it on discipline. Yeah. And we're going to win games by a, a single score because we know that the other team is not going to maintain the discipline to the degree that we do. And that little crack that they show somewhere over 60 minutes will be our edge of victory. There you go. And they're not doing that right they're now. They're not doing it uh, on any phase of the game for the past couple of weeks, you know. Uh, and that's not just offensively, defensively. You know, you're giving up one-on-one big plays for touchdowns. When you're looking in the backfield, your guys running an option route, getting open. You're not tackling well in the open field. Uh, when there's a situation where you need to stop a player from running the ball because you know they're running the clock down, and if they convert, uh, you got to spend another timeout, basically, or you can get off the field. You can't stop it. So you know the situation. You're just not playing great technique, and you're not executing. Hmm. So all those things that we talked about where we're used to seeing them be very, very consistent, we just haven't. And, you know, me knowing that team, me knowing how much t- how hard they work, the pressure uh, that the staff puts on them, the pressure that they put on themselves, and how they work – to play at a certain level every single week. I'm not one of those guys that say, you know what, it's over. I would be wrong to say it's over. I'm talking about this year only. I hear you. It's over. Um, But if they want to play deep into the playoffs, which will probably be on the road, they've they've struggled on the road, they're going to have to eliminate all the bad football we've seen. There's a sign in the locker room that says, eliminate bad football. Hmm. They're gonna have to eliminate bad football if they're gonna if they're gonna play better and compete with some of these teams. Because it didn't matter if it was Pittsburgh or any other team in the league, um, they did enough to themselves. And I'm not taking credit from Pittsburgh. I thought they did a phenomenal job, but they did they did enough to themselves to not beat a lot of teams in the NFL. Oh, there, there's no doubt. So quickly, I want to go over a couple of things where or a couple point out a few items with the Patriots, and then we'll move on here. Okay. Um, first of all. I think that they are built, if they can eliminate the the holding calls, easier said than done, I do get the, the, the sense that there's a formula there. They can run Sony Michelle. He's good. And somehow maybe there was the injuries. Maybe it's James White and the, the other guys that they have as options. But I think if they leaned on Sony Michelle, right. 20, 25 touches a game in the postseason, I think they could make some hay Which there. Which they've been doing. Right. The, so first of all, the defense. Is it? A matter of them going dime package as a base defense that's killing them, that teams are now saying, like, well, let's just physically go right at them then if this is who they're going to throw out on the field against us, right? Well, you you know, you got to match – you got to match to what you're seeing. So most most offenses are are, are eleven personnel. So you got to have a nickel in, or you got to have a linebacker that's like a very good cover guy that can cover um, the one on ones with the backs, tight ends, or or in space, and be able to play the run at the same time, right? Because that's the matchup game. All these offensive quarters they do. Is that why in general? Why in no? They're in used the to eleven personnel. You... That's that's something they they've been used to playing. But is know? it is this? of the league's reaction to these offenses, throwing it all over the place, putting up 40, 50 points a game. Well, now we just have to go dime. And, uh, and now teams are saying, Oh, well, they're going to do that. Now we're going to run it on you. Well, and the, it depresses scoring. Right. Well, you it? want the, you want the smaller guy in the box, you know, cause you can motion a running back back into the backfield and you can run the ball Two 
is there an issue at receiver for Tom Brady? Because the, the weirdest one of them all. Gronk, okay, he's got a, a bad back and he's taking a physical beating. And it's one of the weird paradoxes I always point at in pro sports. People say he's the biggest guy on the field. Shouldn't he last the longest? No, <laughs> he is the common denominator in he all those collisions. Hit more than anybody. Right. Man, the DBs move on and play somebody else the next week. Rob right. Gronkowski is always in those collisions, at just as Shaq was, just as Earl Campbell was, Mario Lemieux, and so on. Right. The big guys are the ones who take the, the uh, biggest uh, beating over the course of time. So fine with him. Maybe Julian Edelman's a little slower. The weirdest one of all to me is Josh Gordon. Yeah. Why do they feed him? Well, I, I'm not sure. I know he dropped the one. They hit him right in the chest for the first down. He dropped it. And then he had one hit him in the elbow. Right. I just didn't understand <laughs> what was going on. I, um, but just get him in space, period. That's yeah, the end it's, of it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's easy to say. But how do we know that Pittsburgh didn't understand that and take that away, too? You know, even Edelman. You know, he had a, he had a couple drops. He didn't. He wasn't himself. And, you know, nobody's perfect. I didn't play the game perfect by any means. But we are used to seeing these guys routinely make plays, mm -hmm. make certain plays. And it just hasn't happened. Hogan, where was he? You yeah, know? well, right. They gave they gave him the ball in space. Yeah, somebody's one-on-one. -on -one. Right. He had like, a chance to tie that right. game. They said, look, we give, we gave you half the field, Chris Hogan. Beat one guy out there, and, he, and you know, they made a nice – you know, for that for that uh, side of things, the Steelers tackled better than they have in three years in that game. And I don't know – it was a subtle thing. I don't even know how you coach that in 2018, but they were finishing off tackles as a group. I mean, they were banging those guys yeah. as they were going to the ground. You're supposed to. You know, I know, Dal but – Dallas, the Cowboys are the best. But it's hard to do that, though, in this well, day and age. I mean, age, you got to hustle. A lot of guys don't hustle. So they they were hitting them the hard ball. out there. And that's what you got to do. I think they had in their mind that every single play, you know, we've got to have 11 to the football. Mm -hmm. We can't give these guys an inch. We can't you give them any. You feel that coming through that that's yeah, what Tom was preaching, you? right? Like, why wouldn't you? You know, they're tired of it. They're at home. Their backs are kind of against the wall. You drop that game, Baltimore wins. Now you possibly oh, been over, yeah. not in the playoffs like the scenarios. They say, you know, you heard Ben talk about, well, we don't know if we were at the crossroads. You were at the crossroads. You were right there. And oh, after the fact, they all admitted. Like, right. yeah, we knew. We just couldn't say that before the game. Right. Um, and then lastly, talk about getting hit and all that sort of thing. We've talked about that before. Old guys, old QBs don't lose their arm. It doesn't just magically turn right. mortal. The issue is that most of those guys start to understand their own mortality as human beings, and they don't like taking the beating anymore once they're late 30s, early 40s. And is that what's going on with Brady right now? I mean, he did that pick he threw to Joe Hayden. He's trying to push that ball out of avoid, bounds. But he's also trying to avoid a sack. He's also... Yeah, but he it was made, turning like he was trying to get away from the sack when he threw it. He jumped and he still got hit. You know, he, he, he tried to avoid the sack. And I mean, you're, you're they were hitting you're, you're dead on. But I don't know any quarterback that likes to get hit. I, I'm not saying anybody um, wants it, but I'm so saying I'm they start saying, to feel it more and more. And they're like, man, I'm yeah, going to get rid of this yeah, a little I, quicker. You know what? And 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 the technique wasn't good when he tried to throw that away because Gronk was er was open earlier. He just couldn't mm -hmm, get it. to That's him right. Because of the pressure. And then if you go back a week ago when he had Hogan wide open in the end zone and he missed him badly, well, it was because he was about to get hit. So he was, he was, he was flinching in the pocket trying to deliver the ball mm -hmm. at the same time, which I get. You know, you're not trying to get knocked out of the game. but Completely get it. But it's, it, it's, it's because of the pressure. 
that some of these throws are off. Of course, with any quarterback, it's because some of the pressure. Now, what has to happen is he's one of the best at using that little box in the pocket, stepping up, stepping in, making move, maneuvering in there. But now people are bringing guys all over the place, so it's hard to step in one direction. He's not going to run out of the pocket and outrun anybody. And it's also specifically, people often talk about Tom Brady doesn't want interior pressure, and that's not because, I mean, obviously for the practical reason, you wouldn't want somebody very large running right at you as you're trying to throw the ball, but beyond that. Who wants that? What you saw was, but Cam Hayward specifically was getting such a push in the second half. He was driving the whatever old lineman was across from him. He was consistently driving that guy right into Brady from from the jump. Like the ball would get snapped, and Cam Hayward was uh, three yards deep one on key, him, and he couldn't therefore step up. One key when you play against quarterbacks that are not as mobile, you want you, your your rush rules change. Um, you don't have to be as disciplined at keeping contained outside because you know they can't really break outside. And if they do, you can run them down. They want to push you. You want to make the inside path, moves. Right? So if I'm going against a tackle, I'm making a lot of inside moves because I want to affect and enter the pocket now. If I'm a DT and I'm over the guards, I want to make quick moves and get right back in line, or I want to pull rush him right back into the quarterback's mm-hmm. lap because we know we're going to have everybody crash in the pocket. And he's not going to be able to step up or maneuver in that little box. You want to crush that little, right, 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 that little pocket right there. I mean, yeah, even when he he gets pushed from the pocket, he's not a threat to take off. Oh, no, you ball, saw him right? on the on the interception to right. Hayden. That's exactly. He, he got out of the pocket. He tried to throw, and it was a bad throw. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, fascinating stuff there. Maybe you and me should open up like a pass rushers academy or something. Right. I'll teach. I'll just like work with everybody on my swim move. Teach everybody <laughs> my, my. But oh, you know, I guess. That's a I rip. Get, yeah, I know. I I know what I'm. Okay. Tell me about. Saying, that was just, we're just trading notes here, you know. We're two two <laughs> high end pass rushers, you know. That's it. And then I can oh the swim. Where'd Damashek go? Oh, he's laying on top of the QB. Oh, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dave Damashek. All right. Very pleased to be joined right now by the Houston Texans uh, candidate nominee. I guess it's both things. Candidate nominee. Either way, the Walter Payton Man of the Year, it's Whitney Merciless. How are you? And congratulations to you, sir. I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, yeah, a big comeback uh, for you professionally this season and then uh, and then the nomination. Wonderful stuff for you. Tell us about it. I want to hear from you about uh, With Mercy and uh, the great work you're doing there. You've raised uh, quite a bit of money, eh? Yeah, about uh, 325000 over two years. So that's a lot. It just, it's, a great, it's a great support by the community and all that, and they understand exactly what we're doing, which, by the way, we uh, support children with disabilities, uh, which we rotate disabilities each year. And we started off, when we first opened, we started off supporting children with autism. And now, after that cycle has ended, now we're rotated over to supporting children with cerebral palsy. And so uh, it's been... It, it's a, it's a great deal. We partner up with a lot of foundations and we donate money to these foundations uh, to provide services and um, uh, camps and all that to a lot of families who can't really afford uh, those type of services and stuff like that. So it's really awesome. Well, wonderful stuff. It really is uh, praiseworthy um, that uh, that you take the time to do that. Let's talk a little bit of pro football, shall we, in uh, 2018. But before we do, one one thing I always, uh, when, when the Walter Payton Man of the Year award comes up, I am uh, reminded, coolest trophy in sports? That, that uh, It's up there. It's a cool-looking one. 
It is. It is. Definitely. And, you know, it looked good on my shelf for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, it's sweet now with the cape on and everything else. By the way, if the MVP, the MVP trophy has no name attached to it, nobody knows what it even looks like, who should it be named after and what should the pose be? Could be anybody in the history of pro football. Oh, man. Dang, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Dave Buckus, maybe? Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you could do a lot worse yeah. than that. I thought you might go in the, from Houston, I thought you might go Earl Campbell, you know, somebody like that, you know, half his jersey torn off kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. Um, what about, uh, one thing I point back to consistently with you guys and, uh, and your rise, you really turned into sort of a wind steamroller. Um, for a couple of months there. How much in the locker room have you guys discussed Frank Reich from the Colts going for it in overtime? And uh, that kind of, it feels to me like it galvanized them, but also you guys, it got you that win. Have you guys looked back at that and said, what happens if that game turns out in a tie? Are we in the same place? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not too sure how that would turn out if that game ended up in a tie. But, uh, you know, we let that one get away. Uh, and we understood we got to come out. We got to come out swinging. All right. Uh, after that, sure enough, we got to pull out the win out in uh, New York. And now we just got to win out uh, to get, make some good things happen in our favor, honestly. Um, do you guys talk amongst yourselves uh, that the AFC South, in a, even in a year of this high offense, although it, uh, the defenses are starting to rise up a little bit around the league, but do you guys point to the AFC South collectively, not just you guys, is the, D, is the division a defense? Man, it, it seems like that. You know, it's always a battle of the defenses. Who can contain some of these offenses, uh, some of these weapons uh, that's out there? And, you know, who, who's going to play to the last man from the start to finish? And keep the man, game in a manageable uh, type of deal for your offense to score. And uh, it, it seems to, you know, turn that way, even though, you know, it's seeing it, it, game is definitely an offensive game for sure. Um, I would say so, just with the rule changes and things and things of that nature. But it's the defense that can play discipline, uh, do their job at the end of the day and keep the game within a manageable range or try to get a or try to get a shutout. <laughs> You have people love, including me, love to celebrate your name. You have as uh, you have as good a football name as there. It's merciless, after all. <laughs> and yet, and as great as you've been in the NFL now, you know I, I'm I'm not the first one to point this out. But there's J.J. Watt. He cuts a big uh, national figure. There's Jadavian Clowney, who was famous before he ever put on an NFL uniform <laughs> for that one bowl game play. And now you get the Honey Badger. How does that sit with you? Do you care? Is it or or does it suit you better? for your personality suits me just uh, just fine honestly it's great to have all those guys in the locker room honestly you know you get to see such talented guys come in and play the game in such a way uh, that inspires you to up your game always and it keeps you accountable as far as hey man I'm just gonna go out there do my job and play to a, an exceptionally high level and that's what these guys bring to the table uh, with their notoriety of the, the type of game that they play and it it just elevates the game around, uh, for everybody around them. Well, pro football players, one thing that I've picked up on over the last decade is that pro football players and pro football teams love to impose a chip on their shoulder. 
is the chip that the Houston Texans apply to their collective shoulder. No one talks about us enough. We have an electric quarterback. We have perhaps the most talented wide receiver in the game and beyond that. And our defense is as rugged as it comes. And yet we don't get enough buzz. Is that what you guys are using as you head towards January this year? No question. And, you know, the thing is, uh, look, it, it is what it is. We don't get, you know, we're not going to get, you know, the publicity or anything like that, even though we've gone out and we've proven it, we try to prove ourselves, prove ourselves time and time after again. But, you know, at the end of the day is what have you done for me lately as far as that, that goes in this league. And, you know, everybody says, oh, we're going to fall short and all that. Well, the thing is, of course, we got that chip on our shoulder and we're just going to go out there. We're going to do exactly what we need to do is go get these wins and make sure Make sure we come out and everybody's talking about us at the end of the day. I know that you have to say the right thing and you have to hedge a little bit. But deep down, are you guys, <laughs> do when you talk to J.J. or Jadavian or Honey Badger or anybody else in that locker room, do you guys say, we re one big difference for us this year would be to not have to play wild card weekend. It would be really nice to be <laughs> one of those two teams with a bye. Is that somebody because you have a big trip coming up all of a sudden to Philadelphia that looked a couple weeks ago like, ah, the Texans should be able to handle that one. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. Eagles feel like they're playing for something. They feel galvanized by Foles. Is, uh, is uh, getting that bye important to you guys? We can definitely make something that happen very special around here that's, that hasn't been done you know, around here ever. Uh, but we just got to focus on this week, which is against Philly, and make sure we get this W. And it comes down to these type of games, November and December football, which is very important within this league. And if you don't take care of that, I mean, you're not going to be able to get, you know, to some of the perks in the postseason, or you may not even make the postseason at all. Um, what, let's talk about uh, you're from Akron, Ohio. Are you keeping your eyes on LeBron and company? Are you, uh, or have you morphed into now a Houston Rockets fan? Or where do you sit uh, in uh, pro hoops? I mean, I, I'm not much of a, like, I don't follow basketball like that. But uh, I've been following LeBron a little bit just for, you know, because he's from the same hometown and all that. And so uh, seeing him, just uh, his growth, all that, what he's done for Cleveland, brought championships and all that, and then moved on to L.A., that I think that was pretty dope. And then also I do follow the Rockets a little bit. Uh, you know, hadn't, hadn't had the, uh, you know, greatest season going uh, starting out. Uh, so, you know, yeah, they'll definitely, you know, be able to turn things around, uh, you know, get things corrected. It's, it's just the way how the game goes. And, uh, you know, listen, pro football dominates most anywhere. But, uh, you know, like I say, guys like to have a chip on their shoulder. They're competitive uh, 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 pro athletes. How much did it matter to you guys that the Astros, to see how the city responded to the Astros getting over the hump? And did it uh, make you hungrier than you already were? Oh, it definitely made us hungry. You know, if they can make it that far, uh, win the whole thing, then it, obviously we got to go in there and we got to do our thing and take care of business and bring a championship for Houston. And so this year, I mean, it's right at, the, mm -hmm. right at our fingertips, and we just got to go out there and control our destiny by getting these wins one at a time. That's about it. 
and Black. come back, and we'll be able to celebrate, celebrate with the uh, with all the fans. I don't <laughs> know how much sway you have with the equipment staff and otherwise, but in the first of all, I've talked with Arian Foster about this years ago, and he signed off on this. We got to do something about the uniforms. That I think that will make it sing. Like that'll get more attention if we can thread the needle on that. In the meantime, though. Do you like those, uh, the ones that started out as your color rush with those nice uh, stripes on the shoulders and, uh, and that look? I actually liked it. I actually liked it. I like I, it, I don't too. Know who hates them. I yeah, love them. Those I mean, are the know. best. Those are your best unis. Oh, no doubt. I, I wish they were like our base unis for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the equipment staff what, what you need is you need to put the red socks back on your base uniforms. That makes them sing. It makes mm. it pop. That splash of color really is a big difference. Okay. And in January, you'll get some attention for it. I mean, you might have to swag to yourself okay. right there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd, li- I'd like you to do that because I want you focused in on winning games. Let me just <laughs> impart that little bit of advice, and that might be enough to push you over the hump. I'll put in a good word okay, for you. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Whitney Merciless, uh, in the meantime, congratulations sincerely, and uh, and uh, thanks on behalf of society for doing uh, great stuff when, uh, you know, not, you're not compelled to do it. It's uh, wonderful that you take the time to do that. It's With Mercy, $325,000 raised already over just a couple of years, partnered up with Eastern Seals of, uh, of Houston to uh, continue that great work. Best wishes with that. Best wishes in January, and uh, good health to you throughout. Oh, yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Have a happy holiday. Whitney Merciless, everybody. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.